dear friends, it's Love Service Wisdom Time once again with me, your hostess, Rada. I'm here for a solo expression with all of you. I haven't had this opportunity since the spring because I've had so many incredible guests on that I've wanted to share with you, but I thought I'd put a pause on that and uh, just connect back in a little bit and share what's been on my mind and what's been helpful to me. And uh, before I do that, I want to say thanks to everybody who's rated the podcast on iTunes. I've got 45 star ratings so far, which feels pretty good. It's been a year. It's like a year almost exactly now that I'm thinking about it in this moment since I launched the podcast. So what a sweet, fun, enjoyable journey it's been. My last review on iTunes is from HCC. Craft 85, she says, or I'm assuming it's a she, maybe it's a he. I love this podcast so much. The meditations and the guests are next level. It has had a huge impact on my journey. Thank you for your love, service, and wisdom, Marissa. You're welcome. You're welcome so much. And then there was another one from July, another review that says, if you're looking for both grounding and inspiration alongside opportunities to drop in and clear your field, this is the place. Marissa's perspective and presence nurtures body and mind. I love tuning in. That was from 5D Lover. So thanks for those few comments and the the reviews are super duper duper helpful. So I appreciate those. And thanks too to all the Patreon supporters out there means the world to me for you to make a financial contribution to the show to show your support. But regardless whether you do or not, I'm going to keep doing it because I really love it. And I, yeah, I just love it so much. And I'm grateful for your listenership, however that comes. So where are we? It's August 26th, 2020, Thursday afternoon, 3.33 p.m., I'm recording this for you. And like I said, the last time I talked to just you, it was back in April. And that was giving you some resources for evolution to a new state of being. And goodness gracious, so much has happened since then. And so much of a need to be to be using those resources. I don't know about you, but I am fully, 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 fully in the fertile void with some parts of creating a new way of being as I've transitioned from sage yoga and wellness life into like the hustle of free agents life and what that looks like. And I, you know, it was full of grief and sadness and loss, letting go of the studio, and then interestingly, really partnered and coupled with this sense of hopefulness and lightness and new possibility and new opportunity. And I really don't know what shape that's going to take just yet at all, but I am, I'm totally open to receiving. I've created a new pathways that you know, have been percolating for a while, like the ketamine therapy that I'm doing here in Boise. And then also I've been leading my 300 hour yoga teacher training through Sage for the past, gosh, I think we started it. 
in 2016. So for the past like five years, four or five years, maybe even longer. I'm bad with time sometimes. But having the opportunity now to like revamp and change the teacher training, the 300-hour training. If you're confused about that, the 300-hour training is for 200-hour registered yoga teachers. Like they've already completed their 200-hour training, which we offer also through my school too. And we're still doing that. But the 300-hour training has been under me since the beginning because I'm 500-hour certified. And that's what the 300-hour training takes you into is this uh, 500-hour registered yoga teacher training expertise level. So I've revamped it and am creating a two-year immersion program that's going to start in November where it'll be like monthly group calls and weekly practices and I get to offer new modules on my favorites like yoga psychology and bhakti yoga, but also some of the old favorites like sacred relations that I co-lead with my dear friend Rainbow Eric and yoga and social justice that I taught years and years ago through the Sage School, but I've passed it off to Marcy Midnight and Rainbow Eric to teach. And um, what else is there? Did I say Bhakti Yoga? Oh, Yoga as a Life Path, which I'm kind of revamping to, um, to tie in more of my life coaching skills with that. But anyways, that's that's just a, something else that I've been involved in creating and feeling really like juiced up about and inspired by. And I'm doing a ton of kirtan, bhakti, devotional practice in my own life to help keep me centered and sane and grounded. And I did the online training with Govindas and Radha from the Bhakti Yoga Shala which I'm a little behind on, but I'm digesting it really, really slowly because it's taking me an extra long time to learn the chants and the keys because I am a newbie, 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 not as novice, but I, again, my, my love for it is still so strong. So I'm super into it. And I'm just, like I said, grateful, grateful, grateful for it. And you know, personally, what I've been ruminating on or what feels like it's been coming up the most in these past few weeks is this idea of this phrase, or this concept, this word mudita. And mudita is a Pali or Sanskrit word which translates as joy and another joy and another person's joy. Joy that is, it comes within you that's has an unselfish motivation. Like I'm happy for a reason that has nothing to do with me or no reason to benefit me. Often like you might think of like a parent who gets happy when their child succeeds or a friend who's happy when their friend succeeds. And so I've been trying to cultivate or just like express more the sense of joy in this time that feels or can feel so dark and heavy and uh, confusing and chaotic. So those small wins, those simple moments when another person is getting what they want or is being elevated or is finding success or laughter or positivity, loving that, loving that within my own being. And uh, I think you know, a couple of my podcasts, we've talked about how even within our own selves and the joy and the positivity that we feel, there's a little bit of 
this self-shaming or suppression, like I shouldn't express how great I feel right now or how well things are going or how happy I am, etc. But if you flip that and you do express it, then you're giving another person an opportunity to feel mudita, which is joy in your joy. And can't we feel joy in another person's joy even more? And if we can't, what is limiting us? What's limiting us from feeling joy for another person who's happy? I also have been reading Glennon Doyle's Untamed, like most of us out there. So many women that I know have read it or are reading it. And I came across this the other day, which spoke to me about this concept of joy. I'm going to read it to you. She says, I'm, I love learning to play guitar. It's hard, but it opens up another part of me, one that makes me feel more human. I think the word for this experience might be fun, but to have fun, I had to climb down from martyrdom mountain. I had to allow myself one less thing to sigh about. I had to ask for help. I had to sacrifice some of my moral high ground perhaps lose a few points in the she who suffers most competition. I think we are only bitter about other people's joy in direct proportion to our own commitment to keep joy from ourselves. The more often I do things I want to do, the less bitter I am at people for doing what they want to do. I'm going to read that again. I think we're only bitter about other people's joy in direct proportion to our commitment to keep joy from ourselves. The more often I do things I want to do, the less bitter I am at people for doing what they want to do. Feels kind of true. It feels kind of true. And, you know, for me, maybe one of the reasons I am able to feel moody is because I kind of do what I want to do. And when I see other people having fun and doing what they want to do, I think, yeah, awesome, great. And, you know, now with this time, with the shuffling of um, priorities, schedules, the world, the sense of openness, that's the whatever you want to turn, call, call this time is, sense of openness, the pause that is, that's created, you are given an opportunity to reflect on whether or not you're doing the things that you want to do. Are you doing the things that make you happy? Are you doing the things that fulfill you? Are you giving yourself time to have fun? Are you stepping off of the hamster wheel? Are you slowing down? And if not, what could you change in your life to create that time, to demand that time for fun? And, you know, I, oh, I'm going to, makes me so sad. I get it because a lot of those things that we used to do for fun, we can't do anymore. We can't go to concerts. We can't just go to a restaurant and hang out with friends. We can't go on those vacations. We can't go to those festivals. We can't go to that party. We can't go to that celebration. So a lot of those typical ways of fun and community at least have been removed, but how can we create a sense of fun on our own? What does that look like for you? What helps you to feel 
lighthearted, joyful, expressive, creative, playful. What would be playful? What would be playful right now? Last week, Benji was here. It was the middle of the afternoon, and I just got the deck of cards. I'm like, let's play some cards, buddy. And we sat down and played a game, a few rounds of nines, just because. Did I have other things to do? Yeah. Yes. Yep. But it didn't matter because I wanted to get some playtime in and I wanted to connect with him too. And if you're feeling a sense of anxiety, desperation, despair, depression, you're feeling down a little bit or over worried or I don't know, all those things, overburdened, another way to access some relief is to offer yourself in service to another person. Reach out to someone who you think could use a phone call or a check-in or a walk or anything, anything. Help with something. How could you help one of your good friends or your neighbors or a sibling or a parent or a child? What help could you offer? And I think that you'll find in the act of doing that, you feel better, your energy opens up, they feel better, and you get lighter. And the what you were worrying about or what you were depressed about, it lessens. It lessens when we help each other. And it's a, it's a karmic effect too. There's reciprocity in it. The more that you give and the more that you offer yourself, the more that comes back to you that wants to support you, that wants to offer its love and guidance to you in a variety of forms a variety of forms so I would recommend that too like unselfishly how could you offer yourself to another I mean in the background you know it's kind of selfish because you'll feel better at the same time but truly truly to get out of your own way and be there for another person and just give and maybe you know you don't have access to a person per se and it could be the natural world. Like what if you went down to the beach and picked up trash? What if you went down to the park nearby your house and picked up trash? Or walked down the street and picked up trash? There's trash everywhere, it seems. Or something like that that helps, you know, the environment, that helps nature plant a tree, work in the garden, feed some animals, domesticated animals. Those are just some ideas for you. So that's it, my dear friends. I'm wishing you moments of mudita, of joy, spontaneous joy, and another person's joy, joy that is shared collectively. I want you to know that you are supported always, even in your hardest, darkest times, when you're feeling grief or tears or sadness or whatever emotion is arising, the recommendation also is to let that feeling express itself. Feel the feelings, give them time, give them space. You know, when I was first closing the studio back in early July, I was so sad and I cried like for probably two weeks straight. And this is before I'd really talked to 
any many people about it besides like Krishna and some people really close to me. And anytime anyone would mention or even myself, Sage, I would cry. I couldn't handle even the thought of it without tears. And then I made that video where I was letting our students know that the studio was closing and it was um, uh, super spontaneous too. And uh, really raw and authentic because I just turned on the Instagram and Facebook live and started to talk. I didn't have um, uh, a script or anything prepared. And I, it just got me and I was so sad. There were moments where I couldn't even speak because there was I was just overcome with grief. But I just kept going anyways and working through that. And then curiously... I, after that, I really haven't cried that much and I have felt so much better. And I feel like one reason that I have felt so much better is all the love and support from so many people that came in. So feeling supported, but also feeling like I just got it out. Like I released the energy instead of keeping it inside of me. And having released it, it become it became a shared process, which it very much was. Sage wasn't only mine though I was the like holder, space holder for it, but it was everyone in the communities. It was all, it was so many people's place. So sharing that with others, I think is what also helped to, to move, to allow myself to move through that grief process and then really enter a space where I'm still in, where I feel really calm and I feel really grounded and I feel very peaceful and at ease. But... Again, I certainly didn't feel that way for a while in the beginning, but I just let myself have it. So the transition, the change, that cycle, it's always going to be present. And so uh, what you're feeling is true. What you're feeling is always true. Feelings don't lie. Your body doesn't lie to you. Your body can't lie to you. Your mind is a trickster. It tells you all kinds of different stories and shoulds and expectations and conditions and blah, blah, blah. But if you can turn the mind off for a moment and just let yourself acknowledge where you're at, whether that's joyful or sad or somewhere in between, the present moment experience of it is where it's at. And you're always returning again and again to what's happening now, what's happening now, what's happening now. We're also being given the opportunity to really practice being in the present moment by having all of our future plans taken away from us. And so I find for myself, I'm planning much less into the future and really staying like at my nose, right? Like so close to my face right here in this moment, what's happening right now, day to day, day to day and following that. And in the practice of following that, what I have to also do is be really trusting because we project into the future out of a sense of fear of the unknown and wanting to control and wanting to be able to have these expectations of what we can count on. And when we stay right here, it is scary. It is scary and it requires a lot of trust that even tomorrow I'll be taken care of. Even tomorrow. Even tomorrow just like I am right now in this moment. 
And that's it. Sending all of you lots and lots and lots of love. Always, always reach out whenever you'd like. Send me a message. You can send a message to Rada, R-A-D-H-A at MarissaWeppner.com. I'll see those and I'll get back to you. Blessings, everyone. Ram, ram.